Last time on Dice Funk. Do you know any Nixies? We have unfinished business. The fact that the only way I know how to do anything is being a manipulative, nasty piece of work. But turn it on the bad guys. Sylvia says to you, Zoe, that she had a brief conversation with Grace about perhaps using her magic to start helping maybe fix the mirrors. Her name is Zoe, but I don't think it was on purpose. She really wasn't trying to crush her with a shark. Like, If you want my help, then what I need is for you to bring me Zoe Legrand to eat her still beating heart as she watches. 26 from Roland on his religion check. Something very bad is happening for Illmater or Illmater's concerns. If the three of us fight Donto head on, would we be likely to win? Yes. Am I likely to survive? No. Is Warder with you? Yes. Grandma, uh, what are you doing here? Your dad senses love. He's very busy. <laughs> the Archmage's council is in session, but I'm here. We'll fix everything. Is this your leader? Hello, my name's Sildiel. She holds out a hand to Zoe. A lot of the people in this town were here because they were being hunted by people outside. And if you and your blade singers or blade talkers or whatever they are just show up with armed weapons and everything like that, if we're doing this, then you're doing it under my rules. And my rule says you stay here until I can talk to everyone in town about this. Create new species. (laughs) (laughs) What? You know, I mean, we're we're in Feywild time, right? One minute in the Feywild is 18 years in the Material Plane, for all we know. I'm going to have to cut all that out because people are going to use it as <laughs> proof of the way the time works. And I've been deliberately keeping it ambiguous so people don't worry about it. So the most recent fan theory is that, like, Ilium is happening 3,000 years after... That's a lot of years. ...after Lorelei. And, like, no... Uh, it's a lot of years, but like the point is that the uh, the, mater- the the Feywild material plane is fluid, and it's fluid because of either insert magic or GM fiat, or it's not that important. Don't worry about it for any of those reasons. In universe, it's because of the the court of the Seely Fey. Mm-hmm. They have the magic over the Feywild, and they decide how things do. Out of universe, it's because it's not something I want the audience to worry about, and also I guess just historically. The way that the realm of the fairies has been portrayed in mythology, mm. um, most notably British mythology, is that like people disappear there for like however many years and they like reappear and like, oh, it's been so long or something. And it's just like it's never been a mathematical formula. Right. No one's ever like magic. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally just the way it's always worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is convenient for us attempting to do as little math as possible, which is always a bonus for writers and artistic types. I hate math so much. I wish I was a math person in terms of my degree, but instead I was an idiot and went with music. <laughs> and on that happy note. All right. So last week I did a very dumb thing, which was <laughs> al- allow Chris to roll twice on a wild magic table. And he did it. And now we all have to live in that new universe. Yeah. So you have a jaunty mustache, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then another thing happened. <laughs> I think some people saw create new species and they thought, wait, does Zoe become a new species? No, no, no. I had something in mind when I put it on the sheet, but I also wanted to leave myself wiggle room 
<laughs> to not go through with it if I lost courage, which is why it was worded so ambiguously. But after having a week to think about it, I am going to go through with my original intention, which is that you do create a whole new species. So the way I want this to be pictured in your mind is, so you saw that at the end of the last episode, Zoe Legrand was talking to Sildiel Valamin, the blade singer leader, and she has just appeared with her troops to help out Ilium. And Martis Valamin's there too. And everyone's just like, oh, hey, this is the situation. I'm going to need you to like not startle the townsfolk and blah, blah, blah. And that was that whole conversation. And then you used magic. What was the spell you cast, Chris? Uh, haste. Of course. It's always haste. Haste is always the one that gets us. That yes, because was- we don't we don't fight people. So I don't have any of my combat spells to cast. Of course. I'm going to start picking fights with people now. Okay. That's... Mm. Hey, take this, Blade Singer. Fireball. Yeah, that makes a lot of narrative sense. I'm really excited exactly. about that arc. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened to Zoe? Well, she got stabbed 45 times in one round. <laughs> yeah, but a bunch of pogo sticks popped out of nowhere when she got her first spell off. So that was pretty dope. All right. So you cast haste to run off to talk to the townsfolk. And the way I want this to be in your mind is that you see this scene and the episode ends, right? And at the start of the next episode, a little bit of time has passed. I don't even, I have no idea how to even begin to conceptualize the creation. Like things rising out of the the dust and the clay, like Adam and Genesis, right? Like you've created an entirely new species. And so I want to move like just 15 seconds ahead in time. When what has happened has already happened, and now everyone has to deal with it. Because what has happened is you have created an entirely new species. Not just a creature, but an entire species of dozens of these things. And they're all around you right now. And allow me to describe them. Are you excited? I am very excited. I feel as though I just destroyed an ecosystem. Oh, you've absolutely ruined it. (laughs) We'll never be able to come back from this, and I'm really happy about it. So I want you to picture a kind of avian species, grayish, long legs. Uh, Instead of arms, it has two big wings, enormous wings, basically the size of its entire body. This is not a thing that should exist. It defies all biology and evolution, but luckily magic exists. It has a head kind of like one of the frilled dinosaurs. Uh, with a kind of um, ridge on top of its head, like a battering ram. And it has what is best described as a reptilian face. It's not a beak, right? Because if I said, oh, it has big wings, long legs, and a beak, you're like, oh, it's an ostrich. It's not an ostrich. That'd be silly. That would be incredibly silly. You can't just create ostriches, Zoe. (laughs) Only elephants and sharks. Well, what sort of crazy OC is this, Austin? What did you concoct here? Oh, y'all don't know? Longtime listeners to my projects will already know, hopefully, if you've seen art of this apocryphal beast, this dinosaur-ostrich hybrid known as the Bozog. B-O-Z-O-G. And this creature, or rather creatures are all running around jumping skittering they're all excited they're all hyped up they've just been given life they are not newborn they've been created a whole cloth like i said as adam and genesis just as (laughs) men or you know men and women of the species you presume you don't know their biology yet they don't have any obvious cloaca in any of the drawings i've seen although maybe there's some some deep net bozog drawings (laughs) who knows that'd be a really good band name (laughs) bozog cloaca 
No obvious. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought deep, uh, deep net Bozog was going to be it. I guess we got plenty of new band names all <laughs> created at the same time. Yeah, deep, deep web Bozog Cloaca. Uh, now it just sounds like I'm fucking <laughs> doing stat poetry. That better not be the title because I have a feeling if that was the title of the video. It'll get banned on YouTube, so we got to choose something else. So the Bozog is a creature that I made up on another podcast, and it has no discernible history or rhyme or reason or place in an ecosystem, which is why it's perfect to suddenly appear in existence surrounding Zoe. And they're all running around in circles, and the thing... I mean, you're terrified, obviously, because you've just created life from the loam, and who knows what responsibilities that's now going to imbue on you. But the most terrifying thing isn't the sudden existence of these creatures. The most terrifying thing is that... They start running around you, Zoe, and they start chanting, Bozog! 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 <laughs> and they're all just very excited, and apparently they can talk. Oh, this is all kinds of terrifying. One of them says to you, Hi, I'm Bozog! Are you God? <laughs> no, he is! And I'm going to point in a random direction with no one in particular in that direction, and then bolt the moment they all look. Uh, roll for deception to <laughs> deceive the Bozog as to their creator. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. You are a very, very unresponsible god. <laughs> roll to abdicate your responsibilities as a creator deity. 21! All the Bozogs start running off in the direction you po- pointed, <laughs> just yelling, Bozog! 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 And they all just run off in like a stampede, searching for their god. This must be why people smoke around here, Grandma. <laughs> well, that problem will handle itself. <laughs> Probably. Sildiel Valavin, leader of the Blade Singers, says to you, Zoe, before you run off, uh, what the hell was that? Oh, I'm like a font of uncontrolled magic that can spontaneously cause just about anything to happen, and it haunts me every day. Oh. That's actually not the first time I've created life, although it's the first time I've created life on an entire species scale. You do know that the name Zoe means life, right? Does it? Yes. In and out of character, yes. Uh, I think I'd appreciate the irony more if it wasn't just so damn suffocating. In the background, you just hear, Bozog! 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 <laughs> I should get going. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so you leave? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to handle this Bozog thing right now. I got stuff to do. Okay, cool. What are these Bozogs up to? I don't know. I'll find out later. Who knows? I don't know what they eat. I don't know what their culture is like. They've come fully formed. They have ideas and consciousness and sapience. Who knows? I I will clarify, just so people don't think you just put in a a wild magic just to create that, that you did initially offer to let me design it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the creature and I said I would only make a Pokemon so you make it <laughs> yeah after that episode last week I gave myself really one final chance to escape from what I had done by offering to let Chris make a Squirtle but I think <laughs> we have enough problems already without getting into that territory <laughs> I do love the idea of a Squirtle squad just materializing around Zoe though we've already done that season one there was a squirtle squad so there was yep that that's, that train has already left the station and then got destroyed by evil abomination that set this whole thing spinning here spoilers all right so zoe runs off to talk to 
the townsfolk about the soldiers who have arrived and to allay their fears. And I'm sure people get together and there's a lot of conversations. Some people are frightened of the soldiers. Some people are glad for their protection. Some people are suspicious. Uh, there's a lot of that going on off screen. We don't really need to have the town hall meeting. Uh, but short-term consequences are when outsiders start arriving because the barrier is gone and you can see that for some distance, uh, you guys will have a line of defense. So if Mardis had not called in the Blade Singers, there would be giant hunters who would be something that Zoe would have to deal with, if not fight. Bounty hunters coming for the rocks. There's a lot of terrible things that could have happened, but now you guys have essentially a defense force. So good thinking, everyone involved. Inadvertently, it was a good idea. But at what cost? Because I think there may be a burgeoning Bozog problem. Mardis doesn't have to worry about that too much, hopefully, but uh, there will be a point where Mardis might want to talk to Zoe privately as things settle down and become less Bozoggy, I guess is the uh, proper term for it. They will never become less Bozoggy. We live in a post-Bozog world. Oh, shit. So actually, I have to rewrite season four entirely now to accommodate the existence of Bozogs. Is there going to be a Bozog season? Is there going to be a season where you're going to force us all to be Bozog PCs? Good idea. Hold on. Let me write that down. Is that season six? I mean, at this point, I've I've given fake premises for like 14 seasons, so I don't even know which ones are covered anymore. Season 15 is the happy one. <laughs> yeah, there's the happy one. There's the sex one. There's the British accent one. So if you don't mind, Lauren, uh, I want to start a little check-in scene with Dora. Yeah. You excited? You're still in hell. You're on vacation. You're walking around. You see the blasted wastes where fire falls from the sky on the tormented souls of the damned. You see the pits full of maggots eating the flesh from the oh, I don't like that. writhing corpses of those unlucky enough to find themselves there. In my guidebook, I'm going to write, don't go back to the maggot room. Yeah, the maggot room's bad news. It's actually canon. I didn't make that up as like a cool flavor thing. That's just actually a thing that's there. Damn hell. <laughs> Damn hell, you spooky! <laughs> um, but where I want to start specifically is you went on an entire side quest to get an item that would allow you to cast Scry. Yes. Which would let you watch people in places and things. And it can be cast repeatedly. And although there's a chance of failure, you're on this vacation. You can take as long as you want. So I want to kind of switch to a scene mid-Scry. While Theodore is watching Zoe, because she has been tasked with kidnapping Zoe, bringing her down to hell so that Zariel can torture, murder her mm. in order to fur further Ganador's plans of finding out what the next form that has manifested is. Yes. So you're watching Zoe. You actually see the Bozog thing in your, your scrying. It was like a crystal ball you got from Penny, right? It was a mirror ball. I couldn't remember which one it was. A crystal ball. Slash mirror. Yeah, and you're looking into it, and you see Zoe create the Bozogs from the clay of the earth, and they run off, and you see all the soldiers that are in town, and you realize if you go back there, you're going to be in for a fight. You know the Bladesingers. You're from the Feywild, where they're from. They're like the SEAL Team 6 of elves. They don't mess around. They're super good at swords and magic. They can fly, and there's a dozen of them, in addition to Ishmael, Blood Mountain, The Rocks, Zoe. So... How are you feeling about that? I'm going to go talk to Zariel. Right away? You just you just left her house. You're just going back? <laughs> Plus, I do enjoy the scenic route other than the maggot room. <laughs> okay. Particularly fond of the fire stuff. 
yeah, there there's a good amount of fire here. It's not a fully fire kind of hell. Like you, there's some images you've probably seen of hell that are just like seas of fire because that is a right. phrase used in the Bible. But there's fire here. It's just it's actually a lot of metal as well. More subdued. It's more subtle. It's a subtle hell. <laughs> it's a very subtle hell. Um, so you make your way back across the landscape of hell to talk to Zariel. One thing I do want to point out that happens to you while you're doing that is I think you being in this space and realizing that like you should be torn apart on site. Like if you weren't currently in a deal with the leader of this place, this is an incredibly dangerous, if not suicidal place to be. Mm -hmm. And yet you are just walking freely among them with impunity. How does that feel? And how's your alignment doing, homie? Oh, yes. I don't think we ever mentioned it, but I did change my alignment to chaotic evil because I did kind of, I mean, like as far as Dora knows, murder everybody in the tower. I'm shocked. That's a surprising change of events. Shock. Shocked. All the shock. <laughs> As you are walking and you're seeing all of this feeling pretty pretty good, pretty cool. Better than perhaps you had a you would have imagined. Very strong. Something you hear is a mighty roar in the distance and you aren't that doesn't like shock you to your core or anything. You hear a lot of crazy noises in here. There's all kinds of wailing and gnashing of teeth and screams, but this one is special because accompanying it is a shooting pain in your hand as the bone staff you carry becomes too hot to hold, searing your flesh. I don't want to just, like, drop it. First question, when it becomes too hot to touch, do you just hold on to it anyway? I'm going to do it as long as I can, yeah. All right, so take 4d10 damage. 27. Ooh, 27 damage as your flesh is scorched by white fiery light that's emanating from the staff and it's incredibly hot and you don't know why but actually when as you hear the roar subside it was a roar in the distance and eventually it fades and the light dims and goes out you still feel the staff is brimming with power and magical energy it is but it's no longer barbecuing you well that's nice of it what a role to like try and figure out what happened Religion is the answer. I, That's what I thought it's the dragon god, right? My first instinct was to roast you for asking that question, but but I already roasted your character. Why don't you suck my dick? Oh, <laughs> how dare you on this day? Now, now that is an appropriate YouTube title. Why don't you suck my dick? You know, I rolled an eight. Eight. All right. So you don't know much. In fact, Alice told Zoe the story that would unlock the secret of this, but she did not tell you. So you go, you are badly burned and you're like, wait, isn't this thing a dragon staff? I heard something about that. And that could have been a dragon war. Lol, JK, I don't know. Something else to ask Zariel. Yep. Which is conveniently where you go next. No one stops you. The devils of hell are on notice that you are un- you are untouchable. You walk into Zariel's spooky fortress of black metal. There's heads staked on all the spikes outside. The souls of the damned are wailing at the gates and the guards just murder anyone who comes close except for you. You just wade through the bodies and you walk inside. Everyone just waves you through. You're a VIP in super ultra turbo Guantanamo and you just get inside. Zariel's on her throne. Huge black wings, blood waterfall, bone throne. You know the score. What's up? Hey! (laughs) Is that a customary greeting where you're from? It sure is. Well, hey, yourself. <laughs> uh, so I got a, I got a couple <laughs> bones to pick. But I get it because of all the people I've killed. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's fun. Uh, but I have, I have some stuff I need to talk to you about. Okay. I was on my way here, right? And there's like a roar, which, you know, hey, everything roars all the time. It's hell. But uh, this was like a special roar. And then like my staff got really hot and I got burnt. You know what's up with that? Uh, so Zariel inspects your staff and says, ah, the roar you heard must have been Tiamat, the god of evil dragons, who is imprisoned here on my layer of hell. Okay. Your staff, which is blessed with good holy magic, much to my disgust, uh, must clearly be enchanted by Bahamut, god of good dragons, and Tiamat's arch-rival. So you can imagine you bringing it into her domain. Even though it is a prison, it is still her domain. Gods are quite powerful even when imprisoned. Uh, Was particularly offensive to her. And I assume that was the cause of your... Damage? <laughs> she gestures towards your singed hand. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that was the case, but hey, I need power is power, yo. I can respect that. I respect the hustle. Anyways, uh, the other thing is about your uh, request of me to go forth and capture Zoe. How's that going? I was doing some spying. Mm-hmm. As one does. Naturally. And there seems to be uh, like a barrier, maybe a problem. Another barrier so soon? Not not a physical barrier, not like a metaphorical. I don't know. Uh, but what I seen in my mirror ball, not sure which one it is. Could never tell. <laughs> um, <laughs> is the the armies or some armies fighters from the Feywild are now in Ilium. And I'm strong, but I can't. I don't know if you're familiar with like the blade singers and whatnot, but they're very powerful. So, if you want me to go to Ilium and get Zoe, I may need some assistance as far as manpower. Are you asking me to sponsor a hellish invasion of the Prime Material Plane? Well, actually, persuasion roll. <laughs> this is a pretty big deal, La- Lauren. Do you want hell to invade Ilium? A little bit. 22! Oh, no. <laughs> I know I say I do this without overarching plans. I want to give the players freedom, but Lauren, <laughs> a 22? Okay. She says, all right, well, the point of getting you to do this was so that I wouldn't have to. And sending my forces to help you, I mean, they could do it mostly without you. So I need a pretty compelling reason why this is really anything in exchange for what you need. Uh, it's fun. Also, hold on. No, hold on. <laughs> Wait, was that her entire reason she stopped with it's fun? <laughs> it's something like Nora would say. Hell war, hell It's Halloween. Yeah, this is, a very, this is a very spooky suggestion of you to try to incite an interplanar war when I thought this was going to be a pretty simple kidnapping mission. Exciting. Is the reason for the season. Zariel needs to think about it, which is code for Austin needs to think about it. So let's cut <laughs> back to Lord Danto's estate so everybody can play D&D together. That'll be fun. What do you guys think? Lower stakes. It's just you confronting the vampire behind the scenes <laughs> of all your miseries. This is probably the most D&D-ish thing that has happened to this campaign right now. <laughs> us, us, us being in the manner of some vampire hopefully about to fuck his shit up in some capacity. So let's see how this pans out. 
All right. So how this pans out is you guys are welcomed into the manor. The person at the entrance hands Veltari a big bag of gold. I'm going to take that and I'm going to act very excited about it. (laughs) Then you guys are led upstairs to the second floor uh, to a kind of big room that adjoins uh, a room which you are told you can change in. And they bring you dinner jackets for Mara Sladen and for Veltari, not for Roland Hawklight, the presumed prisoner for whom they bring shackles. Uh, They don't put them on them. They just bring you like a couple piles of stuff. Uh, to get ready for the formal dinner you're invited to. And then they give you some privacy. They tell you that you can leave your weapons in the changing room and people will, you know, shine them up for you so you can get them on your way back out. Mm. And you guys are left alone. I I, I will uh, shackle Roland, but I will be doing so like, forgive me for this. I'm sorry. We've got to do the thing. Is my dinner jacket purple? Of course. That's what you requested. And they... I don't know if it fits perfectly. Only the best for my for my uh, comrades. Yeah, they, they didn't really question who Mara was. It is weird, but they assumed you know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I, I, I do what I must. It, it, no one questions Veltari. Veltari is awesome. Uh, so Veltari and Mara get changed. Roland gets shackled. Do you, what do you guys do with your weapons and armor? Because it would be weird to walk into a formal dinner dressed as a D&D adventurers. I mean, I'm the prisoner, so I mean, I either am going to be in my splint mail or I'll be in just, you know, clothes. Either way is fine. Short version, are you guys trying to get weapons into this dinner? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not intending to try and sneak anything into this dinner. So you guys all get dressed and you don't try anything underhanded. Uh, one scene I want to have real quick before you guys leave this changing area is since you're on the second floor... There's actually a door that leads to a balcony here and you can look out over Akamoros and it's beautiful and you can see the the water and it's like shimmering in the, the dusk because it's getting near dinner time. Mm-hmm. And you look out over this, I think actually Roland particularly because uh, you have had quite a journey and there's been a lot of distracting things. And you guys remember, we discussed briefly that because of the curve of the earth, you may not be able to see the barrier once you get a certain distance away. And I'm sure you thought about that and I'm sure you thought like, it's cloudy or it's, you know, smoky or something. You're in a big city. Maybe you just can't see it from this angle. But now that you're on the second floor looking out over clear waters, it is undeniable. And you know this, like, in your heart that this is true, especially because one of the questions Veltari asked Ilmater was, is Warder Taywold with you? And he couldn't be mm. if he was still trapped inside the barrier. And so at, at this is the moment, even if on some level you've known for a while, this is the moment where you are all certain that the barrier around Ilium is down. I hope they serve pineapple later on. <laughs> so you say pineapple, and you don't get a response from Winifred. I do like that suggestion. Um, the way that the orb on his desk work, as we've talked, is like while you guys are on missions, he's touching it, and it lets him send infinite sending. Uh, he just happens to not be at his desk right now. This isn't me being like, oh, I really don't want you to talk to Winifred before this moment. It's just the timelines, which I... deliberately have been keeping ambiguous so you don't have to worry about stuff like this he's just with zoe right now and they're doing some stuff but Mm -hmm. you will you will be able to talk to winifred soon so 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 you're basically saying that the uh the timeline map for uh dice funk is more or less elaborate than primer i fell asleep during that movie (laughs) so so did many people that's not that's not (laughs) take that primer Ooh. (laughs) We got Will Wright and and <laughs> Peter Molyneux last week. This time we're getting the primer, guys. Um, 
No, I, I just try to keep the timeline stuff ambiguous so it's less to think about from the audience. It's a pretty simple conservation of detail technique. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I turn to Roland and just say, look, when, when we're done here, I don't know about anyone else, but I'm, I'm heading back to Ilium. I, if that barrier is down, there are people in Ilium that we've got to make sure have come out the other end of this okay. There's going to be a lot of work to be done in a lot of different places. All we can worry about is what we're doing right here. Yeah, what's that, what's that phrase about chickens and hatching or baskets? I don't know. When, when you have unhatched chickens, count them and then cross your fingers that all of them hatch. Yeah. Is that the I one? I think it's that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Just, 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 just really cross your fingers and hope that all of those unhatched chickens turn into chickens. Uh, I'm going to need to teach the both of you uh, some more effective analogies later on. By the way, these uh, these shackles are a little bit more comfortable than I thought they were going to be. Well, only the most high class stuff here. <laughs> even 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 prisoners here are treated, you know, just that little bit better. <laughs> All right, so you guys get dressed. You've realized, or really just confirmed, your suspicions that the barrier is down, and it is dinner time. Veltari, Mara Sladen, and Roland Hawklight. You guys walk over to the dining room. None of you have ever been here before, but there are butlers and servants and guards and stuff all throughout the estate, and they help you find your way. So the dining room itself is enormous. It is a, There's a table long enough to seat every nobleman in Akamoros and visiting dignitaries. Uh, only part of the table is set, enough for all of you, Lord Danto, and one other person. And you see... This other person already seated at the table when you walk into the room. Mm. Uh, this person is a half-elf who appears to not want to be there. They seem pretty annoyed that they are in attendance. I would give you a physical description, but I think another person on this call is probably more qualified. Uh, it's, uh, she looks like Rule 63 Tom Brady. That's the quickest and easiest way to describe <laughs> I'm bad at describing characters. I don't know how to describe it, all right? <laughs> So does that mean that she's like 40 years old and still the starting quarterback of the uh, of her local professional football team? She's that good. Like it's 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 insulting how talented and amazing this person is with just seemingly having no flaws. I apologize to our non-American non-football fans for that description. Just type in Tom Brady into Google and get ready to swoon. And then afterwards, you, you you've got an idea. Just draw long hair on him. Yeah, hey, just recognize that they're the greatest player in that sport ever. And Stella Rose is the magical equivalent. All right. Anything else you want to describe <laughs> about this person physically? Uh, I imagine right now she is uh, drinking wine rather half-heartedly. Mm-hmm. And as you've already kind of established, she does not seem to really want to be there. But uh, it's not overtly obvious to that fact. There's a level of charm, I guess, that she carries herself with. So it's not immediately evident, but the signs are there. All right, so as Veltari, Roland, and Mara walk into the room, they see Stella Rosa Legrand sitting at the table looking bored, drinking wine. There are servants coming in who are setting the tables. And on the far end of the room, the big doors open up, and Lord Danto walks in. He is unarmed. He is not wearing armor. He seems like he is dressed appropriately for dinner, which is very luxurious. I'm trying to think. I'm very bad at fashion. Lauren, you're good at fashion. What's, a, what's the clothes called you would wear to the fanciest dinner you can imagine? Like fancy at-home clothes, like a smoking jacket? I don't know what that means, but I like the phrase smoking jacket, so it's that. <laughs> it's what you would expect, like, 
a playboy to kind of wear over other stuff. It's like kind of like a robe, but not really. It's a little and bit. And it's often like velvet. Yes. It's. I mean, it's that. I've already decided. I have that power as dungeon master to say. It's oh, a you should. Jacket. You should Google it because I feel like you won't be disappointed. <laughs> oh, I'm not. It's very good. I was. I was assuming a smoky jacket myself. So I'm glad that we are on the same plane here, uh, Lauren. So notably, it is red and white. The colors of this house the symbol of which is a orchid wreathed in flames and he's wearing this red and white smoking jacket his hair is like slicked back he looks weirdly young and old simultaneously uh, you guys are familiar with vampire lore we've all seen Bram stoker's dracula he starts as like a really old guy and later he's like all young and sexy that's kind of going on he's in the middle of that so he's like a little daddy but also looks like he could kung fu fight you <laughs> And he walks in, puts his hands on the back of the the tall chair at the end of the table and says, Welcome, friends. I think introductions are in order. Oh, it has been too long, Danto. How on earth are you doing? He extends (laughs) hands to you as if to say, like, come here, bring it in. (laughs) I I sort of take the hand and go into like, you know, the sort of like handshake that then goes into a sort of hug. I, I go for one of those. He gives you one of those kind of hugs, and he turns to Celerosa and says, You haven't met yet. Veltari is my right hand, my my sword in the shadows, very skilled and powerful operator. And Veltari, you have not yet met Celerosa, who I guess that would make her my left hand. <laughs> PR extraordinaire, voice of the masses, master at hearts and minds. Ah. I do not believe I've had the pleasure, but I have seen your fantastic work on my way here. Just the whole way here, I have heard nothing but praises for Danto, which I must say I'm impressed. Uh, Stella Rosa will get up and extend a hand. It is an absolute pleasure to meet you. Ah, uh, I'm I'm sorry it's taken me so long. I've uh, I've had an interesting couple of uh, what has it been? Weeks, months? It's it's been a fun road recently. <laughs> Oh, have you been anywhere interesting? Uh, I I spent some time in a in a nice sort of rainbow bubble town. It was, it was a very strange experience. Would I be able to piece? Is it okay if I piece together that means Ilium? Stellarosa is a genius in every field imaginable. <laughs> yeah, you're good. <laughs> I'm. I don't think Veltari is trying to be coy about this being Ilium. So, oh, Ilium! I had heard that nobody had been able to get out of there before. How'd you manage that? Well, no one like me had been in before. Uh, people were like, oh, I want to get out, I want to get out, and weren't actually willing to put the work in to, you know, manipulate and kill whoever they had to to get out. Oh, well, I will love to hear more about that story when you have some time. Oh, we'll set some time aside. It is a, it is a thrilling, thrilling tale. <laughs> I can no doubt imagine. Dante says, ah, it's so wonderful to have both of you together. My two halves that make this whole thing possible. He he actually seems to be genuine. This isn't just like posturing. He seems like really happy that you're both here. And he says, so uh, who are the two prisoners, I take it? Well, as you can see, one of them is considerably more shackled than the other. We'll we'll deal with that one later. I, I d- Look, I'm here for dinner. Let's have a nice dinner before we deal with... We deal with him because he's going to be his own whole fun evening for us, I'm sure. But uh, on the other side here, I have I have a friend who has uh, been working working in your service out on the uh, the outreaches and is here with me because they're finally ready to make the leap into vampirism. Hi. Hey. <laughs> 
Do you have a name? Uh, it's it's Mara. She's a little on the shy side, but I'm hoping that uh, a little taste of eternity will help her out in that regard. Before we go any further, I have one thing to say. Really? You you, you feel like you have a place to talk right now? <laughs> These shackles that you have on me are really, really something else. Way more comfortable than I've ever felt before. I don't mind a talkative prisoner if they're a complimentary one. You know what? Well done. <laughs> you find yourself in a lot of shackles, Paladin. We can discuss that later, if you wish. All right, sit, sit, sit. We're among friends. Come on. <laughs> he does a little, and servants bring in a bunch of trays and dishes, and he says, we, of course, have blood pudding, blood pancakes, uh, blood soup. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We have normal food for you. <laughs> I, of course, am going to be having blood soup and blood pancakes and <laughs> blood, but there, we serve everything. Akamoros is famous for its fish. Look, at this point, I, I will try and a delicacy on the table. I've I've spent it. The problem with a closed ecosystem is you tend to just eat a lot of the basic things people can summon into existence. So it'll be... It, look, if, if if the blood is good tonight, I will certainly try some. You should try the shrimp, as Stella Rosa already <laughs> clearly has, like a martini glass filled with shrimp fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, if, 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 I'll, I'll trust the locals on your recommendation. All right, so you guys all sit down and the servers, like, put everything out for all of you guys to get at. And there is, like, as he says, regular food in addition to a wide variety of blood uh, base dishes, which I checked. I actually did some research, and you'd be surprised how much food is made out of blood. It's a lot, and it's real. <laughs> how much of it is based out of either the UK or just England uh, or, or Europe as a whole? Laura, not to dunk on your people, but y'all make pudding <laughs> out of anything. Uh, yeah, I don't like a lot of the blood-based dishes, but we do have a lot of them over here, weirdly. <laughs> he says we got this blood sausage in, especially from the Orcs of Lorelei. It's their specialty. <laughs> uh as 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 the food's being brought out i do just want to like give a give a sort of heads up to one of the uh the servers bringing food and just be like um only the basic requirements for that one over there you know <laughs> nothing nothing too fancy i like how we're all just savoring this opportunity to be ruthless to roll in with impunity if Roland was going to ask for anything, he, all he just wanted was some bread. Well, I, I feel like before before Roland has a chance to, to, to request just something simple, to be like, no, 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 just that I'm, I'm, I'm hoisting it upon Roland to be like, oh, no, you know, he's nothing. Just keeping the appearances up. As the servants file out, leaving just the party and Celerosa and Danto alone, you guys begin to eat and make general chatter before we start getting into the heavy stuff. Uh, is there anything you guys want to start with? Because you guys have made introductions. Look, this this much is going to be obvious, but I should probably say this much to start with. Uh, I haven't returned with Bumbershoot. That much should be probably apparent, but I've done the next best thing at least. So, like, I, I just, wanted, just wanted to, like, get that out there so you weren't expecting me to maybe just, you know pull him out of a pocket at some point over dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I had made peace with that inevitability. Although, as much as I dislike surprises, that would have been quite an entertaining one. Yeah, it's 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 a shame. Um it's nothing either of us could have done. By the by the time I made it to Ilium, uh Bumbershoot's fate was already unfortunately sealed, but uh you know, we did we did what we could. Um, I'm only sorry that it took me so long to get that uh, to relay that message back to your uh, to you. Danto says to you, Roland, how did that come to pass that you bested someone with as much experience and talent as 
our departed Bumbershoot. Experienced in talent he might be, but adept in the combative arts he was not. This guy here, big old goody two-shoes, not a big fan of the uh, the blood drinking. That's the summary of this guy, is he doesn't like the whole, I'm gonna go drink someone's blood, and he gets all funny and uppity about it. I can tell from looking at him what kind of man he is. I've met many. That look in your eyes, the scars. You've got yourself quite a martyr complex sitting there, haven't you? You've got the read on this guy. (laughs) Goody two-shoes, always trying to throw themselves on some sword or another. I'm pr- I'm pretty sure at some point I saw him get thrown on a literal sword. Like he he is he is the epitome of martyrdom. You know the word martyr comes from an ancient word for to witness. It really lays bare the hypocrisy of the whole thing. Come look at me. Look how selfless I am. Look how brave and generous. Oh goodness. Uh, so with with that much out the way, um, it it is I must say it is an honor to meet the left the uh, Dante's left hand. Uh, I I have to ask how did uh, how did you end up in uh, our dear friend's uh, service? Oh well, you know Danto has clearly an eye for talent and gathering it. <laughs> he knew the right people to talk to, and we reached a very uh, agreeable situation between the two of us. One that benefits us both quite quite a lot. He certainly knows how to treat those who treat him well. While you say that, there's a scratching sound at the door that Danto came in through. Just like a light scratch, 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 scratch on the door. And Danto looks to Celerosa and he says, Can you deal with that, please? She will, qui- she will quietly get up and head over towards the door. All right. You open the big doors that are leading to the dining room, and floating there is a purple dog. Do I know this dog? It's Jesus, the dog that we said in, like, episode three was the family dog that Zoe turned purple and made fly with mild magic. <laughs> <laughs> you had me on that. I don't remember that one, but... <laughs> it barks at you. Aw, good Jesus. Here you go. <laughs> she give a little uh, scratch around the cheek. We're uh, eating right now, though, boy, so... I must say, that is a fantastic color. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do really like purple. My sister chose it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I could just... I'm going to take food. I'm going to basically want to cast Fabricate to turn it into a bone to, like, give uh, Jesus a bone to to chew on. I love the improv. You didn't know this was coming, and you've immediately renamed the dog. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) You give Jesus a bone, and it... It does a little boof and floats away. I apologize for that interruption. As as someone with my complexion, it's very it's always rare to see another creature that uh, that matches. I, I, I your sister, did you say it was? I I think they uh, clearly have some pretty good taste in in hues. Ah uh, yes, yes, she's got quite the eye for that sort of thing. So Donto, I I have to say in in my absence, you have. You have done wonders while I've been gone. You know me. This was never the plan to start with. I have no interest in politics or conquering, but you'd be surprised how open the people are to the idea of being led by someone so powerful. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know if I'd say flattering, but it's, it's something all right. 
people honestly just, uh, whether they know it or not, they just want to be told what to do. They want to be led. And if they don't, then, well, in hindsight, they probably wish they'd been led. It may be difficult finding you new projects now that you're back. Pretty soon, everyone will be either dead or one of my legions, and then, well, what else is there to conquer? Well, if there's nothing else to conquer, then, I don't know, looks like there's a nice little style of life here. I certainly wouldn't be opposed to just enjoying some nice dinners, having a, having a bit of quiet for a while. <laughs> during, during most of this, Roland has had, like, has had a hand up to his face to sort of obscure his eyes, and just been looking at Mara to make sure that she's okay. Yeah, I'm just, like, eating a lot of shrimp cocktail. <laughs> just, like, anxiously, like, oh, God, I'm just going to eat so many shrimp. Dante says, well, we have, well, I have eternity to get into nitty-gritty details. I'm more interested in you. Roland, was it? <sighs> yes. Yes, that's right. What's your story? That's what I'm interested in. Uh, which chapter do you want me to start from? When you've lived as long as I have... You get bored. You've seen the same things over and over. You've killed a lot of people. It would be easy to just take you outside and cut your throat, but to really enjoy it, to be able to savor all the nuances of the person I'm destroying, I would really like to get to know the man Roland Hawklight. I think that will make it far sweeter. And so if you could just furnish me some of the details that I could keep in mind as the life fades from your eyes, that would be most helpful. Well, I could tell you many stories about myself, most of them fairly boring. A story of an orphan raised in a chapel, raised to believe in ideals presented by a trinity of deities. Uh, while this is going on, Veltari's making the sort of blah 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 hand motion of someone talking with her hand <laughs> while, while, while this is going on. At one point, he gets drawn into an order of paladins despite himself not being gifted to be a paladin himself. If it makes you feel any better, I don't know how talented they were. My brief interaction with the Order of the Merciful Sword is they go down after about a swing or two. There's also the time where one of his superiors decided to order him and his troops to slay a bunch of orcs who had seemingly done nothing wrong. And this individual decided to refuse that order on the premise that those who had committed no wrongdoing shouldn't suffer under the swords of anyone. A most useful incident that was actually the legal justification for my takeover of the order. As war criminals, of course, they were convicted of capital crimes, and becoming my thrall is technically death, as you become undead as a vampire, so sentencing them to death allowed me to effectively usurp all of their authority. It was mm. mwah, perfect. How do they get charged with war crimes when they were so justified in their actions, though, at least, according to Galen and the men following him. They were justified in their actions legally until I decided they were not. And then mm. that then it became so. <laughs> but that those actions caused me to be ejected from the Merciful Swords myself. As a justiciar with no one to judge over, I traveled and ultimately found my way into Ilium. 
where I was until Veltari here showed up, demanding to know where Bumbershoot was. And at that point, uh, this this one was already uh, aware of Bumbershoot's little um, taste, taste for the sweet red nectar. <laughs> I had to spend a bit of time around Bumbershoot while I was there. After so long of dealing with him, just couldn't put up with it anymore. That is often how it goes. Once upon a time, Victrola and myself found a place where we could be safe and secure, and it was paradise. We had everything we needed, and no one bothered us, until suddenly someone decided that they just couldn't have that, and they took it all away. And I have spent every moment since rebuilding a place and a position from which no one can ever take that away from me again. Is the person that ruined that whole thing me, or are we talking about someone else here? <laughs> There's always a you. They manufacture you by the dozen. So hopefully my vain attempt at providing some insight into who I am as a person will give you the fodder necessary to go through with whatever it is you plan on doing. I will try to keep in mind chronic failure, self-righteous indignation, ideological hypocrisy, <laughs> all the things that make you who you are. I'll hold them in my mind as I snuff you out. How's the shrimp, Stella? <laughs> uh, bangerang as always. <laughs> mm-hmm, bangerang. <laughs> bangerang indeed. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that entire conversation and just imagine everyone else's faces during it because everyone's just like staring down intensely trying not to g- g- <laughs> acknowledge the like, like quietly trying to reach out for more tartar sauce like eh, just don't want to interrupt. <laughs> just like the, 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 the low crunching of the shrimp tails. Um, so you guys continue eating. Does anybody else want to do or say anything? Mars is trying to avoid drawing any attention to herself until it's, like, action time. Danto isn't really interested in you, because he doesn't plan on killing you, so you're just as many- you're just a mortal. There are a million of you. Mm. Veltari's basically just trying to avoid, where possible, trying to avoid actively lying, and trying to base as much as possible as of what she says on actual details. <laughs> So if everybody just makes pleasant chatter and eats until the end of dinner, uh, then we can move to that point, if you guys are comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, purse. Yeah. So you guys finish up, uh, people come and clear away the plates, and Danto folds his hands on the table, and he says, Normally, I like to conduct executions in the town square. They are good for morale. They let people know. The rules and boundaries, consequences for actions. However, you do not have much of a public reputation. Your crimes are of a private nature. I do not think it would be in our interest to do so publicly. Stellarosa, your mind is required on this issue. As to whether or not to kill him publicly or privately? Correct. As a member of the triad, as a representative of that faith, even though most people here aren't actively worshipping under that, it still does create uncomfortable and unnecessary 
conflict to publicly execute, I believe, a holy man. Then we are in agreement. Good. I am so glad to be vindicated. <laughs> I mean, you always have the best ideas. <laughs> you flatter me. Uh, do we have a sword handy? I believe I may have just the sword for the job. Oh, it's not for me. It's for him. I, he needs a fighting chance, of course. Oh, well, in that, uh, I, I was thinking more for a sword to be used uh, against him. Uh, well, uh, I am immune to blades. Th- I have thousands of years of combat training, so I don't think it's going to be an issue. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure if we dig around, we can find something to give him a fighting chance with. So, so he's going to let you go get a sword to give to Roland, and then he's going to... You guys are going to have this fight here? Uh, I believe that is is the case. So, just to check, I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. Roland's sword has holy symbols, correct? Uh, we're talking about the forgiveness sword. Yes. Yeah, she brings you all your stuff. You can be fully equipped. All right. Uh, so Veltari, you go back into the changing room. You get Roland's equipment. Bring it out to him. Danto stands up from the table, like dabs at his mouth daintily with a cloth napkin, and he stands to the side. This dining room is enormous, so like there's this really long dining room table, but there's also room to have a fencing duel here. And he like walks to the side. He's still in his really pimp smoking jacket, and he waits for you to get, like strap your armor on and draw your sword. Uh, while having gone to go get Roland's things, would Veltari be able to get the required components? for spell casting without that being obvious that she's brought them with her. I mean, your guitar is your, your spell arcane focus, so... It would not be suspicious for you to have your guitar. He's used to seeing you with it. Okay, so in that case, I want to make sure that I return with the with with my guitar so that I am in a position to cast spells when the moment arises, because... Basically, I'm trying to take advantage of the fact that Donto has zero suspicion about me right now, and I am hoping that I can take advantage of that fact to basically catch both Donto and Stella Rosa off guard. You guys kept your cool during the dinner. Nobody gave away your position. He has no reason to think anything other than the lie you're trying to sell. So, Roland, you get your armor and you get your sword. Uh, Roll initiative. 15 for Roland. 21, so Danto goes first. Little math note, Danto is the most powerful character I've ever statted for Dice Funk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you also, you're fighting him in his lair. In 5th edition, that gives him some cool extra stuff. Mm-hmm. It's pretty tough, and I do want to recall, Veltari, when you talked Illmater, you said, do we have a chance of winning? And the answer was yes. You did not ask, does Roland have a chance in a one-on-one fight? Yeah. So I want that to be in your mind. Like in the in the film version of this, you're hearing that repeated in your head as the two square off. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm aware of the fact that like whatever I do, I'm going to need to do it quickly. So Dante goes first. He is unarmed. He's in a smoking jacket. And you see he reaches up with one hand and using his vampire fangs, he bites into the webbing between his thumb and forefinger on his right hand, leaving two bloody holes. And then he swings his arm out, and from the two holes, there are geysers of blood. The fountain out, they extend from his hand and kind of hover there. And he has basically a two-tailed double whip made of his own blood, which he has summoned using blood magic. Mm. And that is his weapon. It's two thin strands of his own blood as a whip. That's a nice party trick he got there. (laughs) Yes, I find it 
makes it easier to really savor what comes next. And he's going to attack. 24. 24 hits. 13 damage as he whips at you. Okay. And it does cut through your armor somehow. The, the blood whip is magical and it cuts through your armor. Mm-hmm. Um, and for his second attack, he does it again. Uh, 27. That also hits. 12. Okay. All right. So he did 25 damage on his first turn as he slices into you two times with his two whips. Roland, your turn. Uh, Roland is going to imbue his sword, the, the sword he actually got from Ninsen Chapel from way back when, um, with Sacred Weapon, using his Channel Divinity option. So the blade gets enshrouded with light, and the light sort of gleams off the wall slightly and off of his armors and his wounds. And use a bonus action to cast the spell uh, Searing Smite on his own weapon. Fire on top of that? It adds, right. He just added extra fire damage on the next attack, uh, the next attack that lands. So, uh, this, this is the bit I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to do this at some point. I'm nervous as all hell because like, uh, I'm, I'm turn Yeah. Giving up the, the illusion of, yep. There's no coming back. There's no turning back. Uh, I basically want to jump into the turn order and I want to cast hypnotic pattern. Are you, uh, trying to affect Stellarosa with that? I'm hoping to affect both Danto and Stellarosa. If it's meant to try to affect Stellarosa, she's going to cast Counterspell on it. Oh, okay. So, Veltar, you strum your guitar, and Stella, you immediately recognize it as magic, and you pull a wand out. What's Stellarosa's item? Uh, I imagine it's probably like a staff, like a really ornate-looking staff. You just brought it to dinner with you? You know what? Actually, like a tiny little wand works, too. That works. That's how I pictured her like silver and regal one yeah so you just whip out your harry potter wand and you're like knock it off yeah snap a witch uh snap like snap of the wrist and uh counter spells when she sees that she was going to be in the targeted range so you wouldn't necessarily know whether it was something beneficial or detrimental that i was casting no she only knows that it was aimed at the two of them I mean, you strum your guitar because it's your arcane focus, so you need to. Yeah. And so Danto turns to you and says, what is this? I was going to try and bolster you both up, but apparently that's being shut down. (laughs) Oh, I apologize if that was the case. I'm a bit cautious of people casting spells unannounced in my direction. By all means, it shall uh, step to the side. Deception roll, Veltari. I'm still eating shrimp. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I'm just like, when, when, when should I jump in? I'm just going to keep eating. 20 on deception. Danto says, this is an honor duel between a criminal and his judge. I do not require any assistance. My apologies. That's a telling set of words right there. Here's a telling me ripping your blood out of your body. 24? Uh, the hits. 12 damage as he whips you again. My HP is at 72. I'm very thankful that it's the strong boy that's being attacked while I panic about how to help. 12 on the attack roll. That misses. All right, so he misses with a second attack, and it's Roland's turn. You say that swords don't hurt you, but I think think this might sting a bit. And then Roland's going to do his attack roll. His attack bonus is plus 19. (laughs) No, 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 my mistake. It's not plus 19. That would be a bit too absurd. It, it, it It is, though, plus 14, though, so... That is bizarre. It's so high. Oh, wait, 114. 
124. Roland rolled 124. I, I mistyped the number. The actual attack rolls a 24, though. You killed Danto. You killed God. You killed. You kill the sun. You kill Sephiroth floating in space. It's like it's the One Punch Man gambit there, right? He just walks in, you know, just hit that once. Okay. Um, but the attack roll is 24. Yeah, that hits. Okay. He's not wearing armor again. Uh, Roland's going to expend a third level spell slot to Divine Smite in addition to the Searing Smite. D8 magic damage. D6 fire damage. And it's going to cause him to burst into flames. His clothes burst into flames. That's just so rude. Wait, are you trying to fight him naked? Is that what's happening? No, it's just it's just that that's that's what Searing Smite does. I know. Um, and then lastly, it is two D eight, three D eight, four D eight, five D eight damage. So it's really gonna be a smoking jacket. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> just two pity laughs. I thought that was good. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roland's first attack hits for thirty six damage. That's a pretty good slash. He probably wishes he was wearing armor. Roland's second attack is thirty one for the attack roll. 131, actually. Uh, Roland is going to expend a second level spell slot for his second smite Mm -hmm. and does 34 damage. So 70 damage and he bursts into flames. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, that that actually did really severe damage to him and he stumbles backwards on fire and he just, he looks at Eustelarosa as if to say, like, a little help with the on fire. I thought this was an honor duel. Are you are you still sure you don't want my help here, Danto? <laughs> I mean, he's a hypocrite, is the thing. So yeah, he he wants to beat you in a one-on-one honor duel. I'm aware that he's being hypocritical. I'm wondering whether this is an opening for me to try one more time to cast magic on him. There's no reason the entire building has to go up with him. I will note Stellaros has moved significantly far enough away now that spells could be just targeted at his general direction. <laughs> okay. I take the opportunity of Donto being on fire and looking for help mm-hmm. to get my guitar back out and to cast a spell again. And hopefully Stellarosa's not going to try and stop me casting the spell because there is a contextual reason I would be casting it. So wisdom saving throw against 16? Wisdom against 16. Uh, 21. Okay, right. All right, so a giant swirling pattern appears in the air above Donto and he looks up at it. And he begins to magically be hypnotized, but then breaks away and says, What the hell? I grab the guitar and go, Mara, there's no time like the present. We're doing this. I'm going to cast hold person on him while I can. All right. Uh, Wisdom save versus 17. Nine, which means he fails, but he is in his lair. He has something called a legendary resistance. No. If the vampire fails a saving throw, it can choose to succeed instead. <laughs> Fuck. Does he just get that permanently for every spell? Page 297, he can do that three times a day. God damn. Fortunately, Hold Person isn't a super high level spell for you. It's only a second level spell. Dante says, Stellarosa, stop them. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that your acting for tonight, Lauren? <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, everyone who wants to fight, roll initiative. We're going to re-roll just because this is a whole new situation. Everyone is re-surprised. 19. Yes. 15. I did five. <laughs> Mara has to get the shrimp out of her mouth. Three. <laughs> you botched. I botched. Yeah, so you are 
overcome by the ramifications of what you've done. The order is Roland, Stellarosa, Danto, Mara, Veltari. So Roland, your turn. 20 versus his AC. That hits. Another second level spell slot will be expended to smite him. 41 damage. Christ on a cracker. Yeah, you slash into him. If he wasn't a vampire, you probably would have taken a limb off. And then the second attack. 32. Needless to say, that hits. <laughs> yes. He's going to spend a first level spell slot, so the damage, the the extra radiant damage is reduced down to a 3d8. 35 damage. Oh my goodness gracious. 76 damage. This time, you just run up and you plunge your sword through him. And this is like, he turned to Yellow Veltari, and so you just run up on him. He doesn't have a chance to stop you, and you grievously wound him. He looks like... He's on death's door, actually, although it's the end of your turn, and he has something called a legendary action. Oh, sure. Which he can, which he can do when he's in his lair, mm-hmm. which he can also activate on the end of turns. Ready for you to do whatever you can. I'm doing the best I can as the paladin here. <laughs> yep, leave nothing on the dance floor, because anybody who dies here is dead for reals. Uh, 29, this is an attack. Uh, it does hit my AC. Uh, 17 damage. He whips you again. He is furious. Down to 55, so I'm actually at... Just about half health right now. Uh, Danto roars to you, Celero says, it's your turn. Kill everyone in this room. All right. Uh, one, is there anyone in this room besides us? And is there any system of monitoring for this room that I know of? Nope. It's just the named characters that were present for the dinner. The servants took everything else away. There's no monitoring, but the estate has guards posted outside and at important points. So someone could walk in at any moment. Okay. Remember, every full round of combat is only six seconds. All right. Then I'm going to have Stellarosa cast a spell, Conjure Minor Elementals. Uh, I assume these would just be earth elementals made out of whatever material was made out of the house, basically, or the mansion. So like marble golems or whatever. Okay. Uh, And I'm specifically casting them in a position sort of near Roland and Danto, but that intersects with where the door out would be. Okay, so you summon monsters made out of the floor to guard the door? They essentially come out in between the doors. She's basically trying to strategically position them so that they don't innately come off as... Because that's going to be your action for the turn, so they are going to be summoned and not immediately attack something. Yeah, I understand, so that your motives aren't clear. Yes. All right, so you guard the door with rock monsters, or linoleum monsters, rather. <laughs> I love that image. Uh, it's Danto's turn again. First attack, 19. Second attack, 24. Both attacks hit. 23 damage as he slashes you twice more with his blood whip. Hey, Roland is down to 33 hit points. Yep, he's going to kill you. Mara, your turn. Okay, I'm going to cast Cure Wounds on Roland. Uh-huh. Yep, so that's 31, so I'm up to 64 hit points now. Since Mara's turn is over, uh, I can use another legendary action. I'm going to attack Roland again. Uh, 21. It hits. 13 damage. I'm going to use Bardic Inspiration, and I'm going to give my one to Roland. So I play my guitar, sort of dramatically bolster Roland up, and... And then for my main action, I am going to attempt to use uh, Banishment, which is a fourth level spell on Stellarosa. Charisma save on 16. 21. Okay, I am unsuccessful. (laughs) All right, you try to banish Stellarosa with a song and she resists. She's very magic. Yeah, she is indeed very magic. (laughs) 
at the end of your turn, Voltari, uh, Danto's going to attack Roland again, because he can do that. Okay, I'm going to try a thing. It's called Protect the Innocent. Uh, so I use my reaction to force Danto to make a charisma save against 17. Uh, 15, he fails, but I choose to succeed. Yeah, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> but you're burning those features off, so that's the there, there is a utility for doing that. He only has one more. 16. It misses. Dang it. Uh, and now it is Roland's turn. Okay, I, I suppose I'll attack. 16 on the first attack. Hits. Probably, it does hit. Wow. He's wearing a smoking jacket. <laughs> uh, another level one spell slot, um, and I'm going to invoke the uh, combat inspiration to add another d10 to the damage. Mm-hmm. So 23 damage on the first attack. Lethal or non-lethal? Lethal. Do you have a particular way you want to address this? Because I do want to give him some dying words, but give what's what's the flavor of this hit? Roland slips back when the the next lash against him occurs. He takes a sword, holds it in both of his hands, and then uh, tries to stab it straight through Danto's chest to pin him against the wall. Yeah, you attempt to stake Danto with the forgiveness sword? Yep. Yeah, so you ram it through him and you force him back into a tapestry of the symbol of the house, the orchid wreathed in flames, and you pin him to it into the wall. And he, you know, shrieks in pain, very undignified. Uh, you've missed staking him perfectly, so he doesn't die instantly. But he is uh, wriggling on your sword and he shouts, Stellarosa! Stellarosa, help! I I want to take this opportunity while he's dying to just walk over so that he can see me and just say to him, you only needed me as lo- so long as I could be beneficial to you, and you know what? There are people in this world who are happy to have me around when I'm not killing people on their command. He just sputters through a mouthful of blood. Ungrateful. Ah. Uh, I'm well aware that had I wanted to do something that didn't match up with what you wanted, you'd have had me dead just like everyone I killed. Stella. So Stella Rose is going to snap her fingers and the elementals she summoned will like fall back into the ground. And she's just going to calmly walk towards Danto and just say, so I guess this means our partnership is over. And she's going to cast sunbeam on a uh, sunbeam on him. <gasps> oh, so he has zero health because <laughs> Roland killed him. So a magical sunbeam is summoned into the room. Just there's just a ray of light. Do you want to describe it as like come through the window beautifully as the dusk is dispelled? Uh, yeah, it's essentially like a beam of light that goes in there uh, and just kind of cast over top of him. And I imagine it's not the lethal damage obviously the Roland's blow is, but I imagine it kind of sends him off in uh, the not so pleasant way and uh, makes sure that there's very little of him left afterwards. He's been set ablaze the entire time he's been fighting. He's been ablaze. (laughs) So I was actually thinking about having him turn into mist and escape just because the sword is not a pretty final way of finishing him. But even if he tried now, the sunlight just incinerates him. It's like, like he turns to ash from the top of his head to his feet and you see like the skin melt away, then the muscles and then the bone. You like microwave him on the highest setting. His hot pockets <laughs> insides explode <laughs> out and he's just like burns alive. It's like the Terminator 2 chain link fence scene, you know? Mm. 
<laughs> Does anybody have any cool James Bond shit to say to him as he fucking explodes and dies? I'm going to take a couple shrimp cups for the road. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, you, with one hand you have the wand and you're summoning the light and the other you're still eating shrimp. <laughs> the other hand just like... Mara's like stuffing shrimp in her pockets. Just putting them like doggy bags. <laughs> Full on shrimp heist. Good job, guys. Um, but you, you, I was going to say you reduce Danto to ash, but you don't. You, He's gone. Like not even his ash because there are ways for vampires to come back from pretty dire straits, but... His soul has left the prime material plane. You have obliterated him utterly. He couldn't heal because of the radiant damage that Roland was doing. And then you did lethal damage to him. And then you added more on top. It's like, I can't narratively justify him turning into a bat and escaping this scene anymore. <laughs> I apologize if it seems like Roland had too easy of a time with this fight, but... God damn, like, I was not expecting that. Roland had to pull his channel divinity and five spell slots to be able to pull that off. Yeah, the way that's statted out is if you would fought, fought him one on one, you probably would have lost and died. So they basically had to jump in. But once they did, you outnumbered him so grievously. The action economy of fifth edition, as Illmater told you, meant that your uh. victory was pretty assured. It's just you had to take the risk. And now mm-hmm. you're all s- double super fugitives. You, you not only killed the or- the leader of the re- religious order of the region, you've now killed the lord of this entire city state. So it it was not a small decision. At this point, uh, Vel- I-, I want Veltari to turn to Stella Racer and just go, So, left hand, huh? So, right hand, huh? Mm. I had a feeling I had a feeling that your being here was not for obvious reasons, Stella Rosa. Few things are, Mr. Hawklight. Speaking of that, uh, your sister might be in a bit of trouble right now. Oh, and, uh, like, she says that very detached. So, this is, this is a weird situation, Stella Rosa. I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna come out and ask you, are we good? Like, if the three of us just walk out of here, are you gonna be a problem for us? Oh, by all means, do as you will. Just not, nothing between us. This was just a situation that was, like, you know, sort of inevitable, but... It kind of happened sooner than I'd like, but didn't really mess with any plans. If there's one thing I can say about about the situation you're in now, I recommend finding people you can put around yourself who are going to be a little bit more reliable than the kind of people you're going to find here supporting you just for Pat's sake. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you under the impression that I made this deal for power with Danto? What was your reason for aligning with him? I was curious for quite a while. It's a personal reason. That's a dumb answer. Well, you're a dumb face. Now, um... Dato's ashes go, ooh! (laughs) (laughs) I throw a shrimp at her. Well, I mean, I guess I'll gust that away (laughs) if you're throwing shrimp at me. Ugh. There's a personal matter that I was here to attend to that I am trying to accomplish before I head out with other things. The relationship with Danto was merely one out of convenience for him, uh, location, and some instruments that I needed. Veltari, with your sky-high passive perception, you hear armored footsteps outside the door. We're gonna need to move quickly here. Yeah, we're getting out of here. Look, if if you have 
any any feelings whatsoever about keeping your sister alive, get to William if you have a chance. But we're we're going. If if there's any way you can help our egress from here, Stella Rose would be appreciated. See, I, I feel like I'm going to screw things up if I do this, but I mean, she can offer to do this. I mean, that sentence precedes every amazing moment in this show's history. Uh, so Stellaris is going to say, so this was a useful situation for you all. And I uh, can see how it maybe has benefited me as well, because this gives me somewhat of a confusing button out with Danto that will make it easier in the long run of things. So give me just a quick moment and I might be able to help you out. And she's going to uh, cast Dimension Door mm-hmm. and disappear for a moment. Yep, that's a teleportation spell. Uh, she's basically going to retrieve the box and then come back. A little bit more specifically, you go back to your room and you retrieve the puzzle orb, which has been described in several prologues. Mm-hmm. All right, it's like the Lamette configuration from Hellraiser, but a sphere. While she's gone, Roland's going to expend his entire pool of Lay on Hands on himself to get him back up to 85 hit points. Stella, you teleport to your room. You grab the puzzle sphere off your desk. There's like all kinds of papers and volumes and charts and stuff because you've been trying to work on it for mm-hmm. months now. You grab it. Uh, Jesus is there. He's on his little doggy bed. He has a bone. Uh, and she's going to teleport uh, with uh, Jesus because it is a uh, two-person spell when you use Dimension Door. All right, you scoop that pup. Yep, and pop back into the room where everyone is. Uh-huh, you got a sphere under one arm, dog under the other. Love this image. <laughs> and Stella Rose is going to say, so where was it you all wanted to go? I think we need to get back to Ilium. Knowing that barrier's down, I feel like we need to get back there and just check what state everyone is in. Because that barrier going down isn't good. I feel like I should go back to the chapel, but at the same time, maybe that's not the safest place to go right now. I admire that you all have your own goals. This is a one-stop trip. (laughs) I'll go with the crowd. Is there a limit to where you can send us? Wherever your heart desires, Mr. Hawklight. (sighs) (laughs) I love Stellarissa already. I wish to return to check on your sister and make sure that she's all right. So Ilium is my destination. Yeah. Ilium it is then. Everyone, hands together. If you want to clap as we take <laughs> you through this monkey rap. DK. <laughs> Donkey Kong. Oh, wow. A little grit. We got to get a little grit Kirkhope music going on in here now. And once everyone's hands together, Stella Rosa is going to cast Plane Shift, which can teleport up to eight people to any location. And Ooh. obviously everyone has sort of unanimously decided, except for Mara, who's just going along with the crowd. <laughs> To go to Ilium. <laughs> all right. So as the magic fires up, you guys are all holding hands in a circle. The doors burst open and guards start running in. And But you guys are out like trout. <laughs> and you teleport to Ilium? Yeah. You land in a pile of Bozogs. <laughs> <gasps> Bozog! Uh... Oh, God. What's happening? Are you God? I'm Bozog! <laughs>
As always, I'd like to thank Overclocked Remix for our theme music, including Vampire Spanker, an arrangement of Vampire Killer from Castlevania, and Destiny Forgotten, an arrangement of Simple and Clean from Kingdom Hearts. Executive producers for the month of November 2017 are Kerstine Haslinger, Jade, Extellaris, Joseph Timbrello, The Cult of Gorfanax, Dr. Goatman, Irving Royale, Ken Fursell, Andrew Grothen, Paul Mullen, Levi the Young, Luke Powers, Michael Goodell, Brent, Kevin Dobbins, Anthony Sauvier, Scott Cummings, Andrew McKitty, Juman Jack, Gwillem Evans, Mel Tiche, George Soros, Arjun DeConing, Grimlock, John Potts, Dawson Parr, Noah Sudret, Ziphosaurus, Elderly Goose, Salad Child, Seraph Stone, Thorsten Gross, Devin Smith, Castor UK, Aki Savalainen, The Paladin's Wife, Florian H., Charm Wilkie, Junk 2.0, Dominic Bowden, Melissa Nielsen, Don, Eugene T., Pruitt Holcomb, Artemis BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Bristol, Francois V., Shyness, Dennis Pancake Detlefsen, Ripter Stormwolf, Miko from Finland, Dennis Bengston, Josh Mosier, Indigo Van Dane, Allison Ansel, Sydney Marzing, Just a Jester, Savard and Akrisimova, Brady Warner, Kitty Foe, James Neely, Marissa Donaldson, Melanie Joe, Lana Seawolf, Toby Gleason Stack, Ruby Offer, Sarah Hanley, Melissa Booker, Cameron Avis, Dylan, Gary Sayon, Anna Stuhlfar, Sean the host of Funk Dog Plays, Harrison Andrew, Kevin Sidlow, Christopher Charlo, Jorit, Viger Arnston, Cody Jackson, August Rue, Michael Hall, Athos, and Ingmar Gremmen. And a special wedding congratulations to the Hadsels. If you want to join this list, you can support the show at patreon.com slash austinyorski, and you could support Chris at patreon.com slash weeklymangarecap, as well as supporting Laura by reading her work at kotaku.co.uk. You can help support the show indirectly by finding us on Google Play, Podbean, iTunes, and anywhere else where you download podcasts and liking, subscribing, or however else you can interact with media in whatever year you're listening to this. As we near the end of Season 3, let's all cross our fingers that all the big questions are answered. Questions like, how many more names can we add to the producers list at the end before we have to spin off the end credits into their own podcast? And, will we finally have a season that doesn't end in a total party kill? And of course, the question on everybody's lips, will Leon ever return? Don't take my word for it, let's hear what he has to say. Oh god. You quit? No. Um, no, I I very I very much uh, quit. Yeah. Uh, very abruptly. Yeah. Uh, it, it is absolutely not Austin's fault. I decided for my own reasons to leave. And I think it's actually worked out pretty well for everybody. Like you clearly weren't ha- in taking, you know, you weren't getting anything from it anymore. And we brought Laura Kate Dale on, and she's been an absolute joy. I think the show is better for it. And while I love what you brought to the game, I also thought, you know, the show has kind of gone in a different direction it's it's everything has worked out great but you have to put that cool. at work in and you have to have the right expectations i think um, i think leon just missed me 